You're listening to a podcast of The River in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Or learn more about us online at theriverdurant.com. Amen. Amen. Good to see you all here today. Ephesians chapter 2. I'm calling this a series because that's what it is. I first spoke to you from Romans chapter 8. Last week we were in 2 Corinthians 5. These are big chapters you need to understand. Know that I'm putting together 10 or 12 of Paul's greatest chapters. Romans 8 is the first one. You, you, you may not know that, but that's the best chapter he ever wrote. Yeah. Best one ever wrote, any time. Now there are others that are good, like Second Corinthians five was amazing. As he says in there, ridiculously good. Like you have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Not just made righteous, but you are the righteousness of God in Christ. You're what God looks at when He tries to define righteousness to somebody. He shows a picture of you. Glory to God. Yeah, read it. Ephesians 2.1 And you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Yeah, think of that. You were dead in trespasses and sins. It does not say that you were falling into disrepair. A lot worse than disrepair needing to be fixed up again. Uh, it was death. Death is separation from God. That's what the word actually means. I don't know how to express this to you any further, but the chasm Jesus crossed to bring us into God's family was amazing. Yeah. Because it's not it's not as though a man had just fallen into disrepair or needed a little fixer-upper. Man was dead, not just sick, but spiritually dead. Now their bodies were alive, and the minds were could not think they were walking dead men. Like uh, in the song by Kansas, said, "Though my mind could think, I was still a madman. Though I, my eyes could see, I still was a blind man. Though my mind could think, I still was a madman." Amen. The definition of dead simply means separation. Dead means separation, separated from God. Because God has defined his life. Read verse 2, Miss Anne. Ephesians 2 2. Wherein, in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. That now works. The Spirit now worketh. Now works. In the children of disobedience. In times past, you walked according to the course of this world. Whichever way fashion went, you went. Yeah. Right? Whichever way fashion went, you went. All your friends are Democrats, you were Democrat. All your friends are Republican, you were Republican. According to, according to the course, according to the prince of the power of the air, see, Satan was in charge all along. You didn't know it. You, th- you thought you were going with the world, but Satan was in charge all along. Yeah. The course of this world is the course of Satan. Yeah. Got that? That's what this says. The course of this world is guided by Satan. Verse 3. 
Ephesians 2, 3, among whom also we all had our conversations in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The hippies I used to run with were filthy beasts. Some of them were okay, but most of them were really pretty slimy. <laughs> we're both from Thacker, we're going to be with them anyway. Pretty slimy creatures. But one thing about them, they tell you the truth. They're slimy, but they told us the truth. They'd eat pig slop if they had, if they had it. Some of them. I thought about that. I am a member of the country club. I would never eat pig slop. What you can put putting out right there is pig slop. You know, may, not, may not eat it, but you putting it out. There's no room in any church for God's people to put someone down for their sinful lifestyle. You cannot put somebody down for their, their sinful lifestyle. I don't believe a person can live straight until he's made new. Who, who's going to be living straight until they're made new? Yeah. All that stuff comes from the heart. The heart has to be changed. People in my relatives whose daughters went nuts because they made them live like Christians. They weren't Christians. They hated God. They hated God all their life, almost. Resented being raised like a Christian. My kids didn't. My kids didn't hate God at all. They loved God all their life. Yeah. What was the difference? They were saved. We got them saved. Little bitty kids. We didn't, we didn't wait for the preacher to call them down. We, we took them by the hand and led them to Jesus. That's that what you did? Tell your kids like they are. It makes a difference when you get saved as a kid. Verse 4, Miss Anne. Ephesians 2 4. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Pluesis, Plusios, Plusios is what, what it says. Plusios means wealthy, rich. In this, in this instance, it's a figurative use of it. He's rich in mercy, he says. Mercy streams from heaven like a torrential flood right now. The scripture in Isaiah says, When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will rise up a standard against him. But what it really says is, when, when the enemy shall come in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will rise up a standard against him. Yeah. God has a standard to raise up, all right? It's a flood of mercy. Yeah. A flood of mercy. Not a, not a standard of righteousness, but a standard of mercy. Yeah. Amen. Many streams are coming from all directions, but the stream of mercy comes from, from God. God's love is so great that if you just receive it, you, you can have it. Verse 5, Miss Ann. Ephesians 2, 5. When we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. There was no goodness on our part necessary to save. No goodness on your part necessary to save. We were dead when Jesus, when Jesus paid that price. Amen. Which is really good news. That thought that was good news, didn't he? How did God do that? He decided to 
pay by making an exchange. He took our death. He gave us our life. It was his life for our death. Verse 6, Miss Anne. Ephesians 2, 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I still see you. How can I see you? How can I see you? It says you're in Christ in heaven right now. Right now you're with him right there. Right now. That's one of the things that I started about 40 years ago looking into Israel. Maybe more, maybe more than 40 years ago. I saw that I'm in Christ and I'm in heaven. How do I get kicked out of heaven? How do I lose that? I'm already there. This is over and over and over and over and over throughout the scriptures. You are with Christ. You are in Christ. He's in you. Eternally fused. Forever one with the Lord. And in the ages to come. Verse 7, Miss Anne. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Jesus has spared you from certain death just so he can... Lavish his kindness on you forever. Just so he lavish his kindness on you forever. He did not save you to work. He didn't save you to work. We'll talk about that in just a minute. I'll talk more about that in just a minute, but that's what that's what he calls grace. God wants to be with you forever. Just be with you. And the other night was sitting on the on the couch with with me watching T V she went out. I paused the television. And she came back in. And she said, you didn't have to do that. I said, I wanted to do that. She said, well, I'm not really paying any attention to that show anyway. I said, I know. I know you're not. Basketball or something. Yeah, well, that's not. <laughs> I, said, I said, but I like having you in here with me. You like sitting there together. You know, you like somebody's company. Donald and I have ridden many miles. Greg and I have been many miles on the roads together. Now, say a word for an hour, you know. Yeah. That's why I like these two guys. <laughs> Jesus spared me from such a terrible death, certain death. Just so he could lavish his kindness on me forever. Universe 8, Miss Anne. Ephesians 2 8, For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You see why I picked chapter 2 of Ephesians? Mm -hmm. Some have implied, now listen to this, there's two things here. I told you about the, the two lines that run through the whole, whole Bible. The line of theology. The line of doctrine. Theology is, is this, this coming up from God's point of view. Doctrine is from what? Our point of view. Our response. Runs through the whole Bible that way. If you don't know that, you get mixed up. There's a way to divide the word right, like I divide the word with Jews and Gentiles. Like everybody should do that, but they don't. They don't. <laughs> but uh, here's here's one of the one of the best ones: grace through faith. Grace and faith. Grace is God's hand reaching down to us. Yes. Yeah. 
Remember that dream I told you about my daddy had, had a dream, brought him back to Jesus in fellowship. He was laying in his truck, sleeping, and he was walking down the street like this. He said, the curb came up here beside him. He said, I didn't realize I was going downhill, but he said, didn't realize it. You know, you don't. I realize that you're going down the hill, down, 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 down. He said, when the curb, the curb was coming to your shoulder, what's the matter? He said, I must be going down. He said, Jesus' hand came down right in front of him. Looked at me, he said, I didn't see Jesus' face, just all the light. He said, but I saw sandals on his feet, you know. And Jesus' hand came down in front of him. He took him by the hand and just lifted him right up. Uh, it's a matter of faith. The, the, you, you, your hand going up is faith. Yeah. Believing that that big hand will hold you. Yeah. Say by grace through faith. If, if grace hadn't come, your faith wouldn't do any good at all. Right. But if, if faith is not there, grace doesn't do any good at all. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, the gospel of peace. Listen to this. Some have implied that the, 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 that the grace here and the faith were both given as gifts. They're not. Grace comes to us as unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. Unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. You can't work for it. You can't earn it. Because the moment you earn it, not a gift, not grace anymore. It's something else. Payment. But faith comes as a gift from another way, by hearing the Word of God. The gift of grace comes from the Father by, by virtue of Jesus, what He did. The gift of faith comes by the virtue of the message. Yes. How to hear the message. That's why we have sent missionaries all, all over the world. Who knows? Who knows But there might be a tribe out there somewhere, someplace in the deep, dark reaches of the jungle someplace, crying out to, to know God. Who knows? There might be somebody out there who's weeping in the night saying, Oh God, where are you? And this missionary who believes it's their responsibility to take the gospel out there to them. Some of you ever wonder what happens to people who never hear the gospel? You ever wonder what happens to people who never hear the gospel? You ever wonder about them? I, I, I got the answer for you. I know what the answer is. Cornelius is the answer. He cried out to God. The one true God that everybody, everybody knows. Everybody that's born on this planet knows there's one God. I don't care how atheistic they say they are, they know better than that. That's stupid. It's crazy. Everybody knows there's a God. Every atheist I ever, ever talked to admitted to me that they, they knew God. Yeah. Every one of them. Don't talk to me, I'm an atheist. I said, You're not either. <laughs> I say, I always say something like that. I say, well, God doesn't believe in atheists, so I don't either. I don't believe in you. <laughs> so I'm right here. Well, I'm right here too. You're easy to beat. Really easy to beat. In an argument, I mean, you know. But, said an atheist, which is stronger? Something that's dependent upon something else or something, something that stands alone. Something that stands alone. I said, theist, I'm a theist, what are you? Atheist, I said, you can't say what you are without saying theist. <laughs> to describe you, you got to be dependent upon me. Right, yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, yeah, yeah.
<laughs> Beat them every time. If you be patient with them, you'll find out that they're, just, they're not really atheists, they're just hurt or mad or something. Something, 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 something went wrong inside. So <clears throat> we did not slither up out of the primordial ooze, as I said. Primordial ooze. No, we, we, we got here by, by the grace of God through Amen. loving Father who called us into existence. Yes. Oh, man. I feel the Spirit on me today. Yes. Called us into existence out of darkness. We fabricated this darkness ourselves, you know. Romans 10, 12, for there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. There is no difference between the Jew and the Greek with respect to how God will bless you. The differences were plenty. The differences were plenty. But with respect to how God will, God will bless you, no, no difference at all. Otherwise, why point out that there were are Jews and Greeks in the church. Why do you say that? Why do you say that there's no difference between the Jew and the Greek with this respect? There were plenty of differences. That is proof that they recognize the differences. Read Romans ten thirteen, Miss Anne. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Fourteen. Fourteen. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Say amen, somebody. Amen. <laughs> you know what that pre- what the preacher calls this? Job security. <laughs> You want faith, you gotta come to me to get it. <laughs> Here are Romans ten fifteen. Romans ten fifteen. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring good glad tidings of good things. Verse sixteen. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 17, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Back to this other thing. The pygmy out there in the deepest, darkest jungle, I was answering the question. Right. He says, O oh God of my fathers, I worship you. If he, if he will acknowledge the one true God like Cornelius did. Cornelius was a Roman, real pagan. Romans were noted pagans. Idolatrous. If this guy would say that, I'm calling on the God of the, the universe and pour his heart out to God. God will get somebody to him. God will, God will find somebody to, that will go to that man. I believe that with all my heart. Yeah. If you acknowledge the true God, one tribe in South America said it was the horizon. The horizon, that's always changing. <laughs> Worship the horizon. When I told him about the true God, I said, yeah, we know him, but he's not, he's not dangerous. <laughs> he's not dangerous. 
See all the storms came to them from the horizon. They thought there was some somebody out there throwing bad things at them. The gospel is a gift, but but faith is not given in the, the same way that grace is. Ephesians two nine, not of works, lest any man should boast. I love this. Come on. Are you going to boast about your works to God who created the universe? Huh? Seven days he created the six days he created the whole world. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Your Father did not create you to work for him. No. What father creates children to work for him? Farmers. Farmers. Uh, that's true. I'm telling a joke I hadn't told him in quite a while. I was raised, raised on a farm. I just believe all farmers ought to go to heaven. And I'm not ashamed if you farm all your life and go to hell too. Father did not create you to work for him, not at all. Rather, he created you to be a thing of beauty, reflecting his beauty. Reflecting his beauty. Created you to be a thing of beauty. Our English word for poem comes from this word, poema. 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 It's, it's what, what they translated from, into workmanship. We are his poema. God wrote a poem, and it looks like you. Poema. P-O-I-E-M-A. A product that is something something put together, thing that is made. Something beautiful to listen to, just like how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring that to good, of good things. Amen. Ephesians 2.11. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. Verse 12, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Hopelessness is deadly. By this verse we know that from where it comes, it comes from not having the promises. When you have a promise from somebody you know is trustworthy, your life changes. Even if you don't have the thing, you have the promise of it. Amen. It's life. I get up every day thinking this is the day I walk out of this. Yes. This is the day I walk out of this. Yes. yes. Amen. Yes. I have a hope. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. Everybody say with me. I am near God. I am near God. Yes, and amen, brother. <laughs> but what do you say about James 4, 8, which says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. 
I'm going to say thank you, Sister Smell Fungus, <laughs> for, for pointing out yet again the difference between the Jew and the Gentile. Amen. James is written to Gentiles, Jew, Jews, I mean, not, not, not to Gentiles. Verse 14. Ephesians 2.14 For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. Believers pray way too much for what they already have. You have peace because you have Christ. I pray for peace. You have peace. Another one of those things that we pray for that is already ours is wisdom. Well now, Dr. Dear, dear Dr. Hollow, James said, and you know James was Jesus' little brother, and he said in James 1, 5, if any of... <laughs> if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. Well, 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But in him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. If I'm righteous right now, that I'm sanctified right now, I'm redeemed right now, I have wisdom right now. Rather than pray for peace, why not command those feelings of fear to leave you, and your peace will begin to show again. David didn't stand before King Saul pleading, asking the king to go kill the giant. Did he? All he asked for was what he did not have, was permission to fight the giant. He asked for what he didn't have, didn't have permission to fight the giant. I stepped out on that battlefield that day in 1 Samuel 17 with nothing but a slingshot and five smooth stones and a little something he picked up in the previous chapter 16. What was that? The anointing of God. First Samuel sixteen twelve, and he sent and brought him David in. Now he was ruddy and withal of a beautiful countenance, beautiful countenance, and goodly to look to. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Read that verse thirteen, Miss Anne. First Samuel sixteen thirteen. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren, and the spirit of the Lord came upon David. From that day forward. So, what was that other thing he had when he killed Goliath? The anointing. Which in the New Testament is Christos. Which is what? Christ. Christ in you. That's what he had, Israel. Why would why would God go through seven seven sons? Seven sons to get to the number eight? Huh? Why? What's number eight mean? New beginnings. Starting over. Amen. That meant something because Saul represented the law. Saul represented the law. Saul represented the law like Saul of Tarsus did. David said the new day is coming now. Son of David, Jesus, right behind David the king, right behind Saul, Started a new thing, a new day. The number is the, is the number for new beginnings, starting with a new, a new heart.
Starts with a new heart. Read that in verse 16. Chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the height of his stature, because I have refused, refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Remember, the Lord's not judging you every thought. And we know this because of Hebrews 4.12, who says... The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and the marrow, is it a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the mind. Huh? Didn't say mind, did it? Said the heart. The things you really desire. Who you really are. What you really love. God knows that. He knows that. He knows you in your, in your weaknesses. He knows that. He knows what you really are like. He knows who you really are. He knows when you cussed at that time, you didn't really mean that. You just <laughs> tempted, you know. God knows. Don't run from God because you do something stupid. Yeah. He's not going to judge you for that. He looks on your heart. It's altogether about who you believe in as much as about who, knowing who you who's in you. Yeah. Yeah. Ephesians 2.15 having abolished in his flesh the enmity that even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself a twain one new man, so making peace. Amen. You see, there are differences between us and the Jews, but we are one, yes. which means that we are different in the same way. A hand and foot are different, but the same body. Ephesians 2.16 and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. There's always been conflict between Israel and all the other nations of the world. The Jews have a history of violence. They really do. And their background is full of violence. Talk about David. Read the stories of David in First Samuel and Second Samuel. You see that you hardly ever see him without blood on him. Man's blood on him. He's a, he's a warrior. Number one, he was a, he was a fighting man. That's what he was. His first entrance onto, onto the scene of the world, world stage was killing a giant. First time he's ever seen on the world stage, killing a giant. That means he's a man of violence. Kingdom violence. They have a history of violence against squatters on the land. Against oppressors trying to trying to hold them down, trying to annihilate them. Against idolaters, their violence, but but their violence against the church was senseless. Their violence against the church was senseless because they were they were their own people. Which, when church became the dominant force to be reckoned with, they they often oppressed the Jews. It's sad how it goes back and forth. Every time a new regime in Europe would rise up, you know, they'd look into the annals of history and find reasons to hate the Jews, take their money from them. I always had money. I always had money. Everywhere they go, they, they, they prosper. I always have money. Ask who has money in the, in the United States. You're going to find out who, who owns the United States. Ask who owns Europe. You'll find out who owns Europe. Ephesians 2.17 
and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were none. This thing of peace and the message of peace runs throughout the old scriptures. You know that? But the law of the first mention demands we find its essence. Law, y'all know I love the law of first mention. It demands we find its essence. Find its essence in Genesis, Genesis chapter fifteen. Genesis fifteen. Yeah, I think it's verse thirteen, something like that. And he said unto Abram, No, but what, what verse is it? Thirteen. Isn't that what you said? Fifteen. Fifteen. Thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Read them, read them all. Okay. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Fourteen. And also the nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterwards shall they come out with great substance. Verse 15. And thou shalt go out to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. You're going to go in peace, he said. It's God's message to Abraham, your father of faith. He went to his fathers in peace. Where he went, he became known as Abraham's bosom. There were a couple of Abraham's ancestors that were already there. Who was there? Who was there? Not, not before Abraham. Enoch was there. Enoch was there. Maybe, maybe Adam. Abel. Abel was no doubt there. He went to his fathers in peace. That word there for peace is shalom. Means happy, friendly, welfare is good, health, prosperity, and peace. I love that. Verse 18. Ephesians 2:18. For through them we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. See, Abraham went to hell. He didn't go to heaven. He went to hell. But hell. Had a place in it was where there was, was no fire, no, no torment there. That's where all the saints who died before Jesus came went to be in holding there. It's a place of comfort. Jesus tells us about it in, the, in one of the Gospels where he's told about this rich man in Lazarus. You remember the rich man in Lazarus? Rich man went where? Hell. Lazarus went where? Hell. But two different places in hell. See what I mean? Because you can see over there. There's a great gulf between them. They stay over there. Still in hell. Why, why couldn't they go to heaven? The righteousness that Abraham had was not good enough to go to heaven. He was good enough to escape the fire. He got saved by mercy, really. He saved by mercy through faith. We're saved by grace through faith. He escapes the fire. And get the cake, too. <laughs> Eight on, it's in. Verse 19. 19. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Wow. Every citizen in this town is related. That's why there's no getting in marriage. Yeah. All kinfolks up there. 
and him and their all kin. You know. Verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Just for grin's sake, the word there is just the chief corner. It does not say stone in the original. He's not a stone. Amen. That's the law. Amen. Verse 21. In whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. In whom, verse 22. In whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God. God for the Spirit. Oh, man. I believe this to be Paul's third best chapter in the Bible. Amen. God bless you all. I love you very much. Awesome. Thank you.